0: Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast.
1: Thanks for stopping by. Welcome, everyone, to the 284th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Reza, what a week. Yeah, yeah. What a week indeed. Now... <laughs> The, the, the contents of last episode were sort of the beginning of a, of a conversation we were going to have based on everything that had happened. We started, we started broad. Um, we, we sort of dipped into some personal experiences, and I figured we'd sort of break that open a little bit more and just talk about what, what and how uh, all of this has affected us maybe personally. Just to make it a little bit more real. Uh, and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. Sounds good.
1: Great. Great. So, why don't you... Do you mind kicking us off?
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess I can start off with this. So, over the last uh, week or so, obviously, what, the protests have been going on for just about two weeks now. So, over the last couple of weeks, I've a couple of people have reached out to me. And, um, you know, it, it's it's almost weird getting these these messages and thinking of how to respond to them and i haven't gotten many i should say so like you know two or three but um i'm not gonna like say any names or anything like that but i've gotten a couple of messages from people and they've they've ranged from just like you know hey you know just been thinking about you and the whole thing that's you know everything that's been going on hope that you and your family are doing well and you know they basically kind of apologizing for the fact that we have this like extra burden on us, especially during this crazy time of like, you know, the, the quarantine, COVID and, and all the things that are going on in the world. And then I've also gotten a message where it's like, you know, I think back to the things that I said back then. And I'm just appalled and and, and, shame, and ashamed of the things that I said. Really? Yeah. Now, th- uh, that particular statement, I don't actually recall any like any specific scenarios with that person. But I think it could just be, again, a similar Similar type of message to the to the other that I that I just stated, where mm-hmm. it was like you know these are the things that I may have thought of in the past, or these are the things that like I know that I've said things in the past that were were hurtful, or would have been hurtful had someone been there to hear them. And mm-hmm. so, um, what I've what I've you know it, so like yes yeah, so it's like it's kind of weird getting these because it's almost like oh you're the representative <laughs> to for right. for that type of reception, but I don't I don't I don't think that's necessarily how it's it's like actually meant, Um, yeah, it's just like, hey, you know, because I've, I've seen, I've seen the sentiment that people could or should reach out to those, you know, people of color and just reach out and just say, hey, how are things going? And not like say, hey, you know, what are your thoughts or anything like that, but just say, hey, thinking about you, you know, I can't remember who Mm -hmm. it was, was was it a comedian or somebody that said, you know, this, this type of, that made this type of um, statement, but it's just, hey. Let's catch up, see how you're doing um, you know hope you're doing well type of deal and so I appreciate that um, but again it's still it's still something that's um interesting to 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 I guess think about or deal with in general because I don't feel like I'm you know I'm not I don't feel like I'm not out there in the streets you know i'm I'm busy with work busy with the family I want to be out there, but I feel like it would be irresponsible for me to go out and say catch something and and right. bring it back home. So right. I'm I'm mindful especially given the uh, it's given that it's been about 2 weeks since the first protest started. I'm I'm curious to see what the cases the cases of covid start to look like in the next week or so. Uh, you
1: well, know, even see if outside we start to see a spike right even outside of protesting. Many states who opened early are seeing massive spikes. Yeah, actually
0: that was my original first like oh, I'm really interested to see this because uh, and yeah, before the protest even started, I remember thinking about that. Oh, the states are starting to open up. I'm curious to see, are there mm-hmm. going to be spikes in, in cases of COVID? And if they're not, then maybe I would right. feel a little more comfortable going out there and getting back to a somewhat normal life. You know, maybe go to, I don't know, just just feel more comfortable spending time outside of the house. You know, still do the yeah. masks, still try to do social distancing. Right. Uh, you know, not completely living life like we used to. But at the very least, just getting out the house a little more frequently than we do right at this point. So, uh-huh. so yeah. Um, as I got those messages, I, I I still thought back to you know my childhood the things, the things that I uh, I dealt with as a kid, and thinking about to, just to what we talked about last week, and I was kind of thinking about how each each person's uh, experiences. Are unique, and I guess that's one of the things that I find interesting. Or uh, I, I use the word interesting a lot. The, one of the things that I think that I think a lot about with regards to these uh, protests and, and and all, it's you know, it started I think with uh, with you know very specifically with regards to the treatment of of people of color by the police, but it's led to a lot of people thinking about the way that they treat or the way they think about people of color, and And thinking about, and and so I guess, like, I think about how some, how some, some white people might think about, oh, I didn't realize that black people have to deal with this when it comes to police all the time. And I'm not, and like, like I mentioned last week, I don't really, I don't really have many um, uh, experiences, like negative experiences with police officers that, that I Mm -hmm. feel were, were um, due to my color. So. Um, I guess I, I'm thinking about, okay, well, for me, I'm aware of the, the police issue, and I think that there's an issue with the police in general. However, for me, my 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 personal experiences when it comes to police are, are fairly positive. And so that goes to like the uniqueness of, of each person's experiences as a person. My experiences, my negative experiences were with those from a social standpoint, those people that were close to me, those people that I knew in, you know, middle school, high school, college, you know, just people that I knew in my regular life. And so that's kind of where, where I've felt the most emotion with regards to all of this happening right now. It's thinking about thinking back on those, those personal times. And again, considering, I mentioned this last week, how we grew up, how we went to a high school that was predominantly white, you know, the, the percentages, in fact, I think you can look it up on Wikipedia, the percentages of uh, the race distribution in that um, Unionville Chatswood School District. I'm trying to pull yeah. it up as I talk. Um, and just thinking about how, let's see. Okay, so the demographics 79.42% whites, 12.93% Asian, which is actually a lot higher than I would have guessed, 4.39% uh, 4. 4. Asian. I'm sorry, uh, Hispanic and 072 percent mm-hmm. black, zero point zero five percent Native American, and so just being in that school district that was so predominantly white, and I can't even remember where I was going at that point as I was trying to bring up the the, the breakdown. <laughs> but just being in a school that was so predominantly white, and being that like you know one or very few um, persons of peop- you know people of color and you're
1: showing me the token yeah it's it was you're token something
0: <laughs> it, yeah exactly right um, just you know there you there are uh, like the it, the like overall bec- like I wasn't like f- like there, there wasn't there wasn't like physical trauma that I had to deal with because of my color. You know, it wasn't like bullied because of my color, like bullied in the sense that, you know, people are are beating up on me every single day. But it was like these like side comments, these like, you know, somewhat meaningless to them comments that they made that were the most impactful to me.
1: Oh, sure. Just because you don't have physical uh, trauma doesn't make the trauma any less significant if it's emotional or psychological. I feel like those things stick with you the longest.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, like you know, the, the the story that I told about the kid saying the, the story I told last week about the kid telling me in eighth grade that that I wasn't black because if I were black I would be acting more like this other kid. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that kid was you know the way he spoke, the way he acted, like you know it's it's that was a lot more in line with the thing that the things that that rappers were talking about or that you were seeing in music videos and because I wasn't emulating that I therefore couldn't I therefore was not black. Like it, the the difficult thing is just not feeling like you fit in anywhere because yeah. because if you were and like it, I finally started to feel like I fit in when I went to college and I was able to make a lot of black friends. There were a lot of there were a lot of black people that I knew in college that maybe didn't speak the way that I did but you know they got good grades some of them spoke the way that I did some of them didn't but it didn't really matter to them, you know? Right. It was just like okay, well they, they know, you know, they, they knew. And
1: yeah.
0: it, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't until then that I was able to kind of appreciate the, um, the inclusion, just another, another set of, of people in my life, in my life. You know obviously mm-hmm. outside of my school district my 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 dad being black and, uh, from you know from ghana had a lot of uh, he would have he had a lot of friends who were who were from ghana as well so we made a lot of friends with their with their kids but none of them went to my school so you know that that like closeness those people that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis going to college really helped um i think improve my my self-esteem with regards to my color in general um
1: so yeah it's interesting feeling like you don't belong or fit in anywhere uh either with people that look like you people that don't look like you straddling that like superposition of are you this are you that if people supposedly in those groups either don't see you that way or other groups say that you don't in their minds fit in the classic mold of what they're used to and it's really that can be destabilizing in a lot of ways because it forces you to reckon with your standing in your community. And that's not an easy, that's not always an easy conversation to have with yourself when it's forced upon you. I mean, it's, it's hard enough thinking about this stuff when you're ready to have a conversation, but when you've been forced to To deal with this in the moment, it can be really hard to to truly be comfortable with where you are, especially when you're dealing with immigrant parents and a new community and a new school, and they think of you in one way, and do you become the token person for everyone that looks like you? And I know we've all been tokenized in some way, and it's probably because of where we were going to school when we were younger, but then, you know, finding it's also tough because when you find other people that quote unquote look or act or seem to be like you, there's also that tokenization that comes from that end too, to be like, well, are you one of us? What kind of you are you? Do we want to associate with you? Like, do you fit into what we feel like you should be? And so it's, it's easy to say only one group of people do it when they're talking about other people. But I'm sure you've also experienced, like I've experienced, being like reverse tokenized by people that look like you.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right? Yeah, definitely.
1: And so that's that's almost a an interesting situation. I don't know if this has happened to you, but you know, I was born in China, but I came to America when I was 4 months old. I mean, Tiananmen Square sort of happening in 89 really uh We call it expedited the move out of the country. My dad was already here getting his getting his postdoc in uh, the Salk Institute in San Diego, so he came over here first. My mom had me by herself in Shanghai about a month, a little over a month after Tiananmen Square happened. Okay, wow. And yeah, and so we sort of we left pretty quickly, and now because I've basically grown up here, it's interesting because there's a duality that I have. I'm, I self uh, identify as Chinese American, but the Chinese culture aspect of myself is pretty strong, where pretty fluent, Uh, I can speak with no accent, which is great, Uh, I think that's really one of the superpowers that I, that I'm like most proud of, but here in America, you're seen as Asian, Yeah. They don't care what Asian you are, you're just Asian. They don't, they, they, they can't tell the difference. Uh, there's only a couple dozen countries in that part of the world that generally look like each other, but we're all Asian. Which is fine, if you want to think of it that way. But then when I go to China, I'm American. You're not Chinese, you're American. There's something about you that means that you're not from here. And so I've... I've, I've so I know I've spoken about this in the past, but I certainly feel like a stranger in a strange land wherever I go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know you talked and, about it when you went to China the last time. Yeah. And you like you know, people yeah. were almost shocked that you could speak so so with with
1: no accent. Right. Or like they, they're shocked that I can speak Mandarin, you know? And it's like, well yeah. So it's it's nice over there because I know that service over there is very much predicated on how chinese you are let's put it that way and so i don't mind uh being a little quiet in the beginning overhearing what they're gonna say and then coming over the top with them just to make sure that you're not gonna take advantage of me in any way because i don't mind calling you out for that straight up like i'm never gonna see you again but if you're gonna disrespect me or my partner and try to pull one over us you ought to know that i can speak perfect mandarin
0: yeah mm-hmm. um what was i about to ask So do you feel do you do you notice um, that within the, do you notice a similar effect like the reverse the reverse uh, when you're in a group of of Asian Americans or do you feel
1: it like Oh if, yeah Okay Oh yeah So the most common uh, is so there's like there's a couple of stigmas here that's happening in this city right now. Real estate is being bought up by really rich foreign families um, and. Fortunately and unfortunately, Chinese families are sending their kids to come here to buy these apartments or to you know move money out of the country. Uh, so there's a really small but very visible group of like rich Chinese kids. Like we're talking like 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 you know they got money on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, yeah. everything that like all the drip and all that stuff is just it's crazy. Got
0: the well, street I- wear and everything.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Everything's Gucci, Louie, whatever. And it's like whatever to them. Because like that shit's cheap, you know what I mean? It's like it's more money than God, a lot of these people. But, unfortunately, they don't... It's like they, they stand out. In a and this is like dealing with your own sense of what it's like to be the, the model minority, in some sense. And... It's most prevalent and predominant on subways because they'll be really loud. There'll be a, a real big group of them. And in New York, nobody likes a loud subway. They just don't, you know. The only time that a loud subway is really okay is if everyone's going to the same event, you know. Everyone's going to the ball game. Everyone's going to the concert and people get amped up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a, a large external thing. But if you're just going to and from work, everyone just wants to put their headphones in, read in peace, and you don't want people dancing. You don't want people hawking for money. You don't want people singing. You don't want people preaching. There's like all these different things that happen on the subway, but so many rules. You know, there's a lot. I mean, it's unspoken.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I get it.
1: Um, but when they, when they're really loud and boisterous, you can just feel that there is a, like tension in the train. And somehow, I find myself next to them when I walk on the train. There's like, oh, you're uh, like them. I see. Right. Even if I don't look like them, I'm not talking to them, I'm like standing somewhere else. It's like, hey, like, you know, I'm going to project my f- feelings about them onto you. Most recently, right before COVID really shut down the city, I, f- I felt this going into work and really coming back home from work. There was like a day and a half. So I think it was four subway rides that I took when we were finding out that coronavirus was becoming a thing was coming to America and I got on the train and it was me and this other Asian gentleman and there was nobody around him because he was already on the train and normally trains are packed in the morning the only reason why you're not sitting next to someone or you're not being close is if they're homeless if it smells like shit or uh, or any like those are like the main reasons like something is there that makes that place inhospitable Cause otherwise, you're like shoulder to shoulder. You're sitting on people. It, it we're packed in like sardines, and that's just the cost of doing business in New York. Um But he was there was no one around him, and everyone's on the other side of the train. I go, this guy is in a suit. He's fine. And I get on the train and I like smell it real quick. He, he didn't. He didn't defecate he didn't himself, right? Yeah. There's there's no homeless person. So I sort of sit next. I said I stood next to him. And then I saw that as people got on, they would look at us, see me and him, and then go to the opposite side of the train. I see. Yeah. Right? And it's like, oh. Oh, it's like that now. Um, Granted, it's like, I 100% understand why people are doing it. I'm not okay with it, but I understand it. Because you're scared. And somebody's calling it the China virus. And you automatically assume that if they're Asian, they're Chinese. If they're Chinese, they have COVID and you don't want it. Like, you can make that, like, deduction really quick, but it's, like, one of those things where, like, that that, that and hearing a lot of stories from friends, you've heard the stories as well. You're in the same chat rooms. um, yep. the Slack rooms of, like, people being targeted for being Asian during COVID. And that's, that's tough. Not subtly. That, that, not subtly, as people of all races, It's like
0: going out of your way to be to be mean and hurtful. You know, it's like
1: right. It's and like- what do you what do you achieve in a moment like that? Like, come, you are going to come in my face. You are going to scream some loud racial expletive at me, and then what? Do you go home feeling better? Exactly. Like, does that does that not make you immune from COVID? Yeah. You know the the number of the percentage of hate crimes against Asian people, especially in the city, has skyrocketed during COVID. And it's like, it's like, it's not our fault. We didn't bring it here. And frankly, if you really want to trace the, the origin of how it came to America, you got to go through, you got to go through Italy, man. Yeah. I you got to go through Italy. I, I don't, but we ain't given Italians trash. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, none of this stuff makes any sense. And it's a pandemic in an age where globalization has firmly taken root. So there is no patient zero. And even if you knew patient zero, you're not going to be like, "Well, I wish that person didn't come to America." All right, so the next person's going to come. Like, are you really? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's when that many people have it, yeah, it's not yeah. not really much stopping it.
1: Yeah, what's? I'm still thinking about the. The conversation that you uh, the topic that you brought up originally about uh people reaching out to you and i'm and i'm torn on how i feel about that because it's for me it's like well on one end you're, you're you're further tokenizing me um but on the other hand it's nice to know that people are coming to terms with the truth as crazy as that sounds like to to finally understand what it means when you do something like this and how 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 it affects you.
0: Yeah, to be to show that you're being conscious of it, and that you, to, to sh- like really yeah to show that you're conscious of it and that you're thinking about these things. It's like I don't know because I think I'm sure some of them might be thinking I don't know if I portrayed like if I if I came off as this, but to feel mm-hmm. bad about that and to to try to think back on and reflect on certain things and maybe think about a particular, like a specific scenario where you did. Now, maybe I don't remember it, but the fact that they remember it and maybe you're thinking about it and want to change the way that they think and and act. And hopefully it will reflect upon their, that, that, that change will reflect with the way that they raise their kids, the point that their kids don't do those things that they were doing. That, that is what would, you know, hopefully change the mindset for an entire generation and, 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 and actually let this thing die off oh I my. T- we're talking generations i'm sure yeah. but like i mean this stuff is fresh and that's the big thing i know i, I kind of cut you off but like this is this is all fresh you know i my my sister-in-law texted me the other day um you know and she was saying how by being in an inter in a relationship inter inter <laughs> inter-race relationship with my brother she feels like you know she she, she's reflected and 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 studied up on the history of um interracial marriages and i think it was what like 50 years ago where it became legalized in certain places and
1: certain places
0: and she was saying you know there's when specifically when it comes to the race of of black you know it's like that oh any drop matters because if you were to if you were like my dad's my dad's from Ghana, but my mom's from iran my parents were in an inter- interracial relationship. Sure. My mom, you know, effectively looks white, and so I am much I, I am much lighter toned than a lot of Africans, a lot of people from sure. Ghana, and so she's like, "Well, you know, do are am I classified, or would like my siblings be classified as mixed?" And the answer is no, because we look. and And I was talking to, to Elaine about this. You know, we talk about like think about a Barack Obama, right? He, he was he was raised by his mom and, and her parents right so a lot of his upbringing when it came to things within the home and and like I, I don't know how I don't know much about his history but I don't know how much of his his upbringing where he had a, um, a major black presence in his life but he may have identified like he didn't have the option. I guess is what I'm trying. What I'm trying to say, he didn't have the option of identifying as white or even mixed. He was right. just black, despite what he was seeing whenever he would go home in his mom and grandparents and other relatives. And so, the so thinking about like I th- thinking about the complexity of how we classify things. It's so it's so it's so ridiculous when you think about it. When you think about oh okay, are you Chinese or Korean or Japanese or or Vietnamese and you're all just Asian that's it that's that's the classification yeah. and so now you boil yeah. all these you know these billions of people into just one word and that's supposed to mean something to me. You take the complexity of of black and say okay well you have you have uh, black Hispanics, you have black people from all, what how many different countries in Africa you have blacks from from America itself um which region of america there's a lot of complexity to that and that's not even just saying black and 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 that's not even covering just the minorities of of america but also white too there's a lot of different classes of of white um so it's uh it's this like complex these you know and going back to one of the very early things that i said is that each person's experiences are, are unique and I get that race is you – know, just by being a human being, when we look, when we look around, and we try to assess our surroundings and we say, hey, is this place safe? Do I want to be here? It's a very easy thing to pick up on. Well, what color is this person? Well, what, color do, what, right. what class of people do I typically associate with that particular right. color? So is that, is that color or is that race likely to harm me, more likely to harm me than another race? If the answer is right. yes, then maybe I don't want to be here. So I get right. how that works. But self-preservation. But it still, it still negates and 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 doesn't excuse a lot of the actions or the way that we think about people on a day-to-day basis, especially those people that you actually know to start seeing. Oh, well, you don't fit into that class, and now you're not that because because based on how you saw me from the very beginning, then yeah, I kind of am that. I am kind of, I kind of am black because that's what you saw when you first met me. I broke that mold, so maybe you need to rethink the way that you try to classify all black people, because that should show that hey, the 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 rules that I've set, that's not just an exception to, that's not just one exception. There's a lot there. You know, there are millions and billions of people like that, so those rules can't be set in stone.
1: It's also like what. What gives you the right to occupy that position to like disperse that kind of judgment? Yeah, but this is like the nuanced part of it because if, if you're young and you're doing this, you don't even know you're doing it, right? Like, you don't even you could say that for people on one end who's who are judging other people that they don't know why they're doing it, they don't understand what implicit bias is, and then if you're on the receiving end of it you might not even know why you're hurting you just know you don't like the way you feel right and like how do you peel back all the layers on both sides of it and are you old enough and wise enough and mature enough to be able to understand the underlying emotions of things you know it's nice that this stuff is being demystified and more and more people are understanding it's uh I think where the rubber will really meet the road is how sustained of a movement this is. You know, we, it's crazy. You thought that, and this is so, this feels like another time now, but in 2008 when Barack Obama got elected, people were like, oh, racism is dead in America. It's like, is it because he he won the, the, the presidency, but are we just going to forget what campaigning was like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's not just like, oh, he won, checkpoint save and we get to just, like, remake society in his image. It just doesn't work that way. Right. It's a lot of, they're saying that, you know, it's crazy how polarized we become. If you have eight years of Barack Obama, is, is Trump's presidency uh, a response to that of uh, uh, these quick four years and potentially four more? And then what will happen if, like, like are we as a society just, like, b- because of the polarization, just swinging to the far left and far right, as opposed to just, you know, you might be right, you might be left, but the, the spinning top is still pretty, uh, pretty stable. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, it's, you're right, uh, it's everyone's experiences are different. And I've certainly heard my fair share of experiences from my friends who are Black. And you're right, it just, it rides the spectrum. And depending on who you speak to, you could have a very specific encounter that someone else might not have. And I think it's about, I think one of the things that I'm taking from a lot of these conversations is just the the humanity behind everything. And just recognizing that, just like you don't want to be judged before someone gets to know you, you can imagine anyone else in this world not wanting that same thing to happen. And, you know, all this like golden rule nonsense sort of applies and is more important as you get older. Yeah. And just giving everyone just the, a baseline level of respect to be like, hey, you're a human being. And I'm going to speak to you like a human being. And I'm going to try and speak to you in the way that I would like to be spoken to. And... If we, you know, if we disagree on something, let's just let's just address the situation and not bring in other things that have no bear, bearing or, or meaning on the situation. I think what's great is the fact that technology has just made it easier to capture, like these moments of aggression, whether they're micro or macro. So it's it's less about he said she said. I think that's been. One of those things that we never really thought we'd be using, but you know, any any person with a with a phone that's recording can now be considered an activist, which is a good thing. It just keeps everyone keeps everyone honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. I was listening to Larry Wilmore's podcast earlier this week, and he was Mm -hmm. they were having a discussion about racism in the in the in the uh, in the South in the like fifties and sixties during like the civil rights Mm -hmm. movements and how. One of the shocking things about it, and similarly with like the case of George Floyd, is that they 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 didn't care that they were being recorded when they were you know sending the dogs out on these people right. or shooting these people with fire hoses. They didn't think that the world would see with that that what they were doing was wrong because they just they just thought hey it is what it is like this is normal this is fine.
1: This is normal. And, this is what we've been doing for a minute now.
0: Yeah, and so the 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 thought is that so when George Floyd is being killed. The police officers are, they're, they're not phased by the fact that they're being recorded because they think this is police business. This is, how, this is how the business is conducted. They thought they were safe and they thought the world was cool with it. And uh, it seems like this particular case is the one that really, that really was clear cut. Like, hey, that, that, like, you know, I, I feel like the Eric Garner case, for example, uh, or even the, like, the Philando Castile, like these videos were, were pretty clear cut to me, but the world didn't want to react the same way as they're reacting with George Floyd, because George Floyd would seem to be, you know, is more or less undisputable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, that level of, uh, dispute is an interesting sort of concept too. Uh, what, what had to happen over four years, six years, right? Um, why this was, and, you know, the prevailing theory being that COVID focusing our attention on this when there's literally nothing else you can do. It's like is, the perfect uh, storm. It is. It's, it's exactly it. You could not have planned it any different way to make it so that this would have had even more of a, an impact. Right. You know, you're not traveling, you're not working, you're working from home. If you can, you're not able to go anywhere. Things are closed. And if this happens, like, it's just a, it's like one of those sparks in a in, in the dry season, just it hit critical mass this time.
0: Yeah. I wonder if protesting and this is just a thought that I just had right now. So it's not like it's something they've been mulling on, but I wonder if the, the, the act of getting out there and protesting and being around other people is just another way for other people to feel like socially connected to people. And so it's just, so. it just it's just another motivating factor to get out there. Not to say that they're not protesting because they don't believe in the in the cause, but right, right, just right. because like they've been they've been craving social interaction and being near other people oh, sure. for so long that protesting is one way to do that. Yeah, I mean it's
1: certainly uh, an ancillary benefit. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So pulling back a pulling back a tiny bit. Uh, it's it's nice to see, like a very broad coalition support this stuff, um, where it's less like homogenous this time around. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, it sort of takes a, the broader coalition to understand like, hey, this isn't this isn't right. I'm not okay with this. Um, hopefully, this sort of unites everyone to be like, hey, listen. Like, racism of any kind really is is no good. And we should move on from this. Uh, there's always going to be stragglers. There's always going to be people that come unwillingly. But that's why we have Twitter. Uh, to, to call them out. But uh, hopefully, hopefully this is one of those moments where we can take advantage and really change. Uh, not, we'll change people's, like, general feeling. It's like a rising tide uh, lifts all boats, like there's a lot of goals that we want here obviously accountability with law enforcement but if we can make it so that the morality on racism changes then we have a shot I think at moving forward without having to to deal with it as often I am under no sort of misconception that we will solve racism or end racism it just won't happen Yeah. But if we can make it so that the laws change, so that more people either are viewed equally under the law, uh, and other people have a little bit less power and immunity from the law, that uh, we all benefit.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, One of the things I've I've been thinking about is is being kind of uh, funny, almost, is like this is something that rappers have been talking about for years man <laughs> this is something yeah. that something like yeah. krs1 was rapping about in the 80s yeah. and and it's just like people are finally picking up on it. like oh maybe they weren't so out maybe they weren't so crazy or maybe like i i i finally understand the lyrics and hey it actually makes sense finally to me um you know so so like you know seeing that Chappelle special um you know uh earlier this week it's like this is something that this is something that so first of all he doesn't feel like he needs to speak on it because the you know his voice is not any more powerful than the 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 size of the voice that's out there right now yeah the streets as you put it um but also i think that some people are just tired it's like hey we've been we've been talking about this for ages nobody listened then now people are actually talking about it i don't need i don't need to be out there too people are actually talking about it and they're not they're not stopping so, so what, what more is there that I can add to the conversation that hasn't already been said by me 20, 30, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was? Um, the one right. thing that I hope is that – I, I hope that this is not just a black and white issue, especially with when, when it comes to like the societal discussion on this. Mm-hmm. I hope that people do take into consideration their treatment and actions and thoughts about other races, about other sexualities about uh, everything you know because because yeah. that's the other thing like when, when people have reached out to me i've said that there are there are things that i need to think about too about things that i've done and said in the past you sure um
1: sure all of us yeah
0: do. and i mean e- even within your own race too like i thought thing, i've thought or th- i've thought things about black people before it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not limited to just white people needing to think about things, but all of us need to think about how we treat and, and re, how we treat and think about other people. And oh, so, yeah. so I hope it, I hope that it doesn't just stay a, or I hope it. the, the larger conversation um, extends beyond just black and white, because I think it, I think it really, it needs to be, uh, it needs to be everybody. Yeah
1: you're right it's it's not just racism between races uh races it's racism even intra-race which is a big thing yeah yeah
0: we're all guilty of it yeah we We are. are
1: all guilty of it
0: we are but yeah like that's that's the uh that's the big thing is really the fact that we are thinking about it and talking about it makes these harder truths i think easier to accept or at least i hope easier to accept um yeah i also think one of the larger issues is just is just like the classism it's a, the 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 socio Classism's the socio the, the like yeah the classism i think comes into the into play that we typically associate the class with the race and so it's a uh, it's i don't know there's a lot to go there's a lot to to, to unpack and, and and think about but
1: well Classism is tough because the it's a broad coalition of have nots, right? And we we're on the older end of the generation that has not caught a break ever. Right? We were young when nine eleven happened, and so any semblance of a safe world was shattered early for us. Yeah. I mean we've only ever grown up with T S A and no water true. on planes yeah. and hunting Osama bin Laden for 10 years and constantly there being a war in the Middle East and then you get to 2008 or in college or you know either people are just about to graduate college and need a job or going into like about to graduate high school and going to college and then yeah, 2008 economic crisis which lasts for about 10 years and we're talking Auto industry failing. We're talking about a home, uh, the home market yep. sort of collapsing, and nothing ever really happened to Wall Street, and nobody really got in trouble for that. You know, they, there's like the, a great sort of line: is you privatize wins, you privatize profit, you socialize losses. Yeah, and so it, it's a great. I mean, dude, it's awesome if you're in a position where you can. If you're making money, it's all yours. But if you lose a little bit or a lot of it, I need you guys. I'm going to pass around the hat. Can you all cover this for me? Right. And so there's like a, a deep-seated distrust of of all the systems that we've been told to trust, right? And Dave Chappelle sort of brought that up, that every, what, every institution that we've been told to trust has lied to us. And it's like, how do you not operate with some level of like just wariness of anyone anymore telling you first it was the banks, then it was the well, first it was the government, then it was the banks, then it's law enforcement. Like who else who else out here can we even trust? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like can you imagine? Like oh, do we just have doctors and doctors are left to to come out here to to like hold up their level of the of the bargain? It's just anyway, so you have two thousand eight and then yeah, If you're lucky, you survive that in some way, shape, or form. I know a lot of people that couldn't get a job, had to stay with their parents, had to get you know a job that wasn't what they yep. went to school for, yada, yada. And now, 10 years later, 12 years later, you're a little bit established. You might have a little bit of money saved away, and you're trying to start a family now, which means that it brings upon its own uh, sorts of financial obligations yeah and so you're trying to save up a little bit it's not just you up for yeah right it's, it's not mean, just you're saving you. up for so many things
0: right house then, home well that's a, a house, house car yeah. college funds food
1: college funds. like it's, I mean, it's you might not be trying to get married
0: then the, the, the convenient thing when it's just you is that you typically or not you know, a lot of us have our parents to fall back on and so right. right out of college, if you can't get a job, then yeah, maybe moving back home with your parents is an option. But when you got mouth to feed, when you got people that, that need your income to put a house over their heads, failure isn't an option.
1: Right. Right. And now just as we're entering our 30s and you know, you're know, you starting to be a little bit wiser, You might be saving up for a home, you might be saving up for some big things and just go, all right, I've got a little nest egg. It's not a big nest egg, but it's a a small nest egg, whether you have a 401k account, IRA account, you have your stuff in CDs, high interest savings accounts, cash, whatever. You're trying to have a little bit more money than you did 10 years ago. But you also know that 10 years ago, your goals were a little bit different. You know, you might just be saving up money for a new electronic or you might be saving up for a trip. And while those things never really go away, you're now adding on much larger goals, right? Right. And then COVID happens. And now you have 20 million people out of work. You also can't go to get work because potentially no one's hiring in your field or you're not allowed to have interviews or we're interviewing over a video conference and that's never been done before. So there's all these things that, like, at every step of the way, that you're just getting, you're just getting hit. And so when you talk about this classist issue, it's, I can un- totally understand why people are just so frustrated and fed up and, and scared. And scared people, you know, they get, they get desperate. Yep. And, you know, the the protesting right now. Black Lives Matter, and racial equality is one thing, but you can certainly, certainly, certainly feel bubbling underneath the surface of it all, this like classist issue of you know, I've, for, for too long now you've seen the have the have mores and the haves just take and take and take and where, where, what is left for the rest of us? And so I can understand that frustration. It's unfortunately, if you don't vote, then you sort of let certain people stay in power, and certain processes stay in power. Now, the counter-argument to that is, well, special interests will make it so that if you have money, you can buy the election, and you're not wrong. But, if enough people can vote those people out of power, then maybe you have to force the game to change a little bit. Maybe it's overturning Citizens United. Maybe it's voting for people that don't take money from special interests. Maybe it's, you know, like there's there's all these different options that if you look hard enough, they're there. yeah. And you know that's something certainly that I've t- talked to you about recently Of just like not only looking at politics in a different perspective, voting for things, voting for platforms that not don't necessarily benefit me directly, but benefit people in society more. Um, this is just another one of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think to, to close, I will say that I've been doing a lot of research on senatorial races around the country, seeing states that are at risk in a good way, uh, and sort of throwing my money uh, to, to help those candidates, because I think if you really want change, there might be something wrong with the establishment, and we might just need new players. Right, absolutely. No, it's not my job to tell you who or where. You know, this isn't yeah. hashtag not an ad. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's certainly uh, an interesting way to say like, hey, listen, you've protested, you've done a lot, you've raised money, you've done a lot, you've had tough conversations with people, you've done a lot, you've examined your past and you're looking for either more things to do or you're looking to do something that has a lot more impact, register to vote. That's a big one. Yeah. Actually show up and vote. That's another one. You know, if you can't show up to vote, see if you can register to vote uh, Vote by mail while we still can. Jesus Christ. Um, and I know that with like New York, they sent around like these early ballots to be like, hey, listen, with covid We understand if you don't want to come into a public area. And if you do, you have to mask up and all that shit. Um, If you want to vote by mail, just register early, and we'll send you the mail, like mail-in ballot. It's super easy. Uh, Understand what you're voting for, who you're voting for. Understand that there's more than just an election every four years. Right. You know, Senate elections are important because the Senate is uh, the higher – Not We'll call it the higher-ranking congressional body, but House representatives is also really important because things pass through the Senate uh, through the House. They have to pass there first before they get to the Senate. Yeah, and then, well, what about your like your local politics, right? Your county politics. You understand who is running for your DA? Who is that'll determine what kind of pro, uh, cases they want to prosecute. These people, you know, people like police chiefs, uh, local comptrollers, all these things are local elections. And if you really want to feel a change in your localized society, you got to vote local because I'll tell you this, President Trump doesn't give a shit about your local county politics. Right. Because that's not his job. His job is to think about larger things. Yeah, exactly. So you got, that's why it's like distributed command. It's like the, the army system, like, you know, Senate... Senators have to deal with senator-level stuff. House of reps, they deal with their level stuff. Then you got city mayors. You got you know local congressmen, county officials. Like everyone's got their own little purview. And if you want something changed in your neck of the woods, then both of the people that are going to be doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we're at a point now where we can we can vote uh, more frequently now. That brings up this whole thing. I don't, I'm not going to get into it today, but like, how is it possible that you can deposit, you can set up direct deposit in this country, not do a damn thing and get money in your account every two weeks, but we can't vote on our phone? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. How come? How can I send you as a ten thousand dollars right now through all these different apps, and it'll hit your account in like a business day or two? Right. But I can't vote on my phone. Right. We have two hundred fifty six bit encryption for all these things we can't do it for voting yeah think of all the stuff that you can do through the computer all the super sensitive stuff your tax stuff your identity all these things you can do online we can't vote online is voter fraud really the argument you're going to throw my way if that were the case how can we trust any banking system online yeah exactly right we move trillions of dollars a day through online banking systems and you trust that. So how come we can't vote? Think of the push notifications you could get where like you can set it where the government's like it's almost like an amber alert, you know? You can't turn off amber alerts. Or you can't turn off like those emergency services where like everything beeps and it looks like the aliens are coming. But what if you got one of those notifications on voting day? You'd be like, hey, vote, you gotta vote. You wanna use your phone? Vote for these things. I mean that's too heavy handed, but you know you. you no, I hear just... you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, like I'm, a captcha. I'm absolutely It's like, with a, you. It's like a once a year, you know, <laughs> once every two year captcha event. Instead of telling me which one of these images has a bridge in it, you got to vote. Yeah. <sighs> All right.
0: Can't really end it on any more of, of a of a better tone than that. Get out there and vote.
1: Get out there and vote. Yeah. Go to vote.org, Org. Register. Make sure that it's your uh, your most modern address in terms of where you live and where you get mail. It's like whatever address you have with your employer should be the address that you have really for for voting. Yep. All right. All right.
0: Well, I'm Russell.
1: I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week. <laughs>